Right. The, the Jesus Brings campaign is a real problem campaign for me. Uh, we need to do it because we're the cathedral church and the dioceses have this as their mission. But the, the two phrases Jesus brings are really good because it's about Jesus and Jesus is the, the concrete way in which you get to know God. And so it's good evangelism to talk about Jesus. You can move from Jesus to God quite easily for people. Uh, well, as easily as anything. And so it's really good to have Jesus. And Jesus brings is a very active kind of concept. It's, it's, that, uh, but then when you look at the subtitles, they're awful, frankly, because Jesus brings things in this lifetime to people who are in need to make them happy. It's, it's a kind of utilitarian view of the Christian gospel. So Jesus brings rest to the weary. Jesus brings satisfaction to the satisfied. Jesus brings wisdom to parents. Jesus brings... Now, I objected to it uh, and was greatly helped by one of the organisers. I said, well, Jesus, Jesus doesn't bring wisdom to the parents. You read the gospel accounts and he nowhere addresses parents about wisdom. And they said, no, no, but, but Jesus brings wisdom to parents. The Jesus we're talking about is the Lord of heaven and earth. It's not talking about the historical Jesus. It is Jesus today brings wisdom to parents. But even then I have problems because where in the New Testament does it say Jesus, the heavenly risen Jesus, brings wisdom to parents? I mean, they quote a verse from 1 Thessalonians 2 that's got absolutely nothing to do with Jesus bringing wisdom to parents. But... If you work on it for a while, you can work out Jesus does bring wisdom. Um, in Christ, he hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, we're told in Colossians 2. I think it's Colossians 2. And um, Jesus does bring wisdom to parents in the sense that uh, his teaching and actions is to show that the little children of such is the kingdom of heaven and to bring children to him, that children matter, that uh, see the ancient world, children were the same as slaves. In fact, the word pice can mean slave or can mean child. That's, uh, that, whereas Jesus shows real value to children, that the kingdom of heaven uh, has entry for children. And so you raise up a child in the fear and nurture of the Lord is part of the wisdom that he has. Furthermore, his wisdom in the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is righteousness and sanctification. The ESV mistranslates it. Um, the NIV is correct, that uh, the wisdom of God is righteousness and sanctification. So he actually teaches us how to raise our children in terms of forgiveness, mercy, righteousness. There's a whole range of things that you can have wisdom. For. But it's still, I think, problematic I think they want to say, brings wisdom to parents so that parents will come to church to hear the wisdom Jesus brings. I don't think that's going to work. Um, I, I don't think many parents are saying, I need wisdom, let me find out what Jesus has to say, so I'll go to church this Sunday because of it. I don't think it has that sales pitch effectiveness myself. Furthermore, it limits the wisdom that Jesus is uh, bringing. He's just bringing wisdom to parents, when in fact he brings wisdom to all people. And it's not just wisdom about parenting, it's wisdom about everything. And so rather than talking about Jesus bringing wisdom, you now have 
only a certain kind of wisdom and to a certain group of people. And so I, it still doesn't sit comfortably with me. Some of them are completely wrong. Jesus brings satisfaction to the satisfied. I think to the satisfied he brings terrible challenge. Uh, you know, it's the woe unto you when you say when you're rich and so on. I, mean, I think it's uh, I think that's strange. And then even when you have Jesus brings peace, well, that's true. Ephesians 2, he is our peace uh, because we have peace with God through him and we also have peace with one another because of him. But when you look at what Jesus himself said, he says, I haven't come to bring peace, I've come to bring a sword. Set the father against the mother. You think, well, you know, you're only saying half the truth here when you talk about Jesus bringing peace. Um, so I, I looked at the Gospels and I, I went through to look where Jesus brings, you know, um, in John chapter 10, which is the text from which the whole thing, in a sense, derived, uh, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. So Jesus comes bringing life and bringing life to the full. Even that text, it's not about coming to bring forgiveness of sins for eternal life and resurrection. Uh, it's about life for the full here in this world. And then that is also a kind of a disconcerting characteristic of the titles, you see, that it's, it's about now. Jesus brings now these good things for your life. Whereas a lot of what Jesus brings is the kingdom of God, uh, is the resurrection age, is, is eternal life. Is So I've had difficulty with this Jesus brings series, to put it mildly. I came to a way forward, um, uh, I don't know, over Christmas or something like that, um, just in the idle moments that one has on Christmas Eve, um, <laughs> when I, I saw what we could do is preach on, uh, Jesus brought, uh, Jesus bought, and Jesus brings. There's a three-point sermon, you see. Mm. And so I could talk about the historical Jesus and what he brought, and I could talk about what he now, as a result of his life and death and resurrection, brings, and have what he bought in the middle of it, which will give me the atonement message, so that it's through his death and resurrection he now brings this to us. A good three-point outline is a helpful thing to then get your mind around. Um, some others have made some other suggestions to me. Andrew Barry, uh, my dear son-in-law, he, he said it still has a problem of, of humanism and, and It'd be good if we said what the world brought. So I now have an introduction. What the world brings, what Jesus brought, what Jesus bought, what Jesus brings. <laughs> but then somewhere else along the line, I realised then that there's a fifth point. Because what Jesus brings now is not the same as what he will bring in the future. So Jesus, the world brought, Jesus brought, Jesus bought, Jesus brings, Jesus will bring. So I've got a five-point sermon now. Evangelistically, that's the limit. You can't give more than five points in a sermon, and you know that's that's going to be hard to keep. But on the other hand, to preach every sermon along that line will be good for Christians in kind of giving them a gospel outline, a, a way of of thinking through a topic, right? And so that was all right. Then I went back to try and work out, well, 
what do I preach? Now I've got in the evening 11 sermons, in the morning 10 sermons because I'm going on the house party uh, for the evening church. So one Sunday morning, February the, March the 2nd, I won't be here. But, okay, 10 sermons on Jesus brings, or 11 sermons on Jesus brings. Now, therein is problem country. So here are some of my uh, thinkings on these subjects. Um, uh, which one do I go with here? Ah, firstly, I tumble to the idea, why don't I in the evening do the fruit of the Spirit? Because Jesus, by his Spirit, brings love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self. He brings those things. So then I could still use my five-point outline on each one of those. I can talk about the world doesn't bring love. Jesus brought love and demonstrate that somewhere from the gospel. Uh, Jesus bought love. That's a little bit trickier, to, but you know how his love affects his purchasing. He brings love into our world now, and he will bring love. There remains three love. Yeah, I can work on something like that. But anyway, I could preach through Galatians, and so I'm almost settled on that as what to do in the evening service at 5pm. In our discussion with leaders yesterday afternoon, they suggested doing Bible studies on Galatians at that time. So that would be a neat thing to connect in as well. It also is a bit of a cheat. Um, That is, uh, I like preaching two different... Well, I'll give you something completely different there, have I? What's that? Ah, thank you. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like preaching different sermons morning and evening, but there's just so much limits you can do in preparation. So it occurred to me that um, uh, this would be helpful because I did a series on the fruit of the Spirit back in 2009 in the morning, which of course you all remember and uh, recite often <laughs> as you go to bed at night. Um, and so I can, I've done the basic research on the text. Now what I need to do is to modify those sermons into Jesus Brings. So as to fit in a series that holds together. Um, And you'll see there on that uh, series, the first and the tenth, uh, the first uh, of the series and the last of the series uh, is on Jesus Brings Walking by the Spirit. That's because the passage starts off on that subject, Walking by the Spirit as opposed to the Flesh, And he returns to that at the end of the passage so that I could expound the passage on Galatians there. Uh, Now, I think that's a a satisfying kind of uh, approach for my mind. I'll be treating a passage of the scripture fairly, a passage which does invite topical preaching in a sense because you've got these great words... um, that you're dealing with, and I can put these great words into their context in Galatians. I, I won't be abusing Galatians while I'll be using Galatians. Now, the great trouble of using the text that you wind up abusing the text, because the text is not about Jesus brings, the text is about the fruit of the Spirit. However, it is Jesus who brings the fruit of the Spirit, so I won't have 
I won't have a problem with that. I'll be expanding the fruit of the Spirit. And I just need to do it evangelistically. But that's, that's always possible. Uh, that's, that's not a, a great hardship. That's just a matter of uh, uh, helping people see that the world does not bring that which Jesus by his Spirit does bring. Would you still use the title Jesus brings? So Jesus brings love, Jesus brings joy. Yep. Yep. What about the first? Commandment? Jesus brings walking by the Spirit. Does that work? Yep. You could even do that as the full title, Jesus Brings Walking by the Spirit, and then have love, joy, peace, patience. But I think we do that. So that one I'm relatively comfortable with, but what do I do with the other ones? Well, the, the titles, oh, I haven't got them here now, but you've heard them and seen them in the booklet. They're awful. And so I tried to work out what it is that Jesus brings. How do I give you these pieces of paper to make sense? Yes, alright, we'll go with this piece of paper next. At the moment I only want you to look really at the left hand column. As I tried to just write down, partly from the material that they've sent out about what the sermons are about, partly from my own imagination, a list of all the things that you may conceivably say Jesus brings. Uh, life, new birth, the kingdom, forgiveness, salvation. There's just a random long list of the things that you think Jesus may bring. And therefore you could preach on. Now, as you can see, it kind of runs towards the end. I can say the I am sayings or uh, you know, some of them, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So you then move it and say, Jesus brings pastoral care. Pastoral care is something that people in this world all believe in the ancient world didn't particularly believe in. It's something that Jesus changed people's attitude in the ways in which they relate to each other, and so Jesus brought it, and... Well, it's just a list. And part of my difficulty now is control. Why do I pick these topics as opposed to other topics, or any other topic? Because, you know, Jesus brings fruitcake. I don't know. Jesus... <laughs> Jesus brings Easter, hot cross buns. Without Jesus, we wouldn't have them. I mean, what? Why? Why? Which? So I then started to work on John's Gospel because it seemed to me in John uses that kind of language of Jesus coming into the world, Jesus bringing things to the world more than the others. And so here is the John 3, don't give Wendy Hurst, uh, here is the John 3 kind of list that we have. And I just picked on, see, nowhere in the literature do they say Jesus brings rebirth, new birth. And I would have thought that's fairly fundamental to what Jesus, Jesus brings being born again, being born of the Spirit, I thought was a pretty big part of what Jesus brings. Nowhere does it say Jesus brings the kingdom. And Jesus in John 3 saying, unless you're born again, you can't enter the kingdom. So I thought, these are important themes that need to be in any evangelistic series on what Jesus brings. So I started looking at John 3, apart from uh, chapter 10, verse 10, life to the full. All these other ones I can find in John 3. Now, the second column, life to the full, it's entire, they're all titled life to the full, isn't it? The second column about being born again, rebirth, fresh start, is the kind of 
the Bible language that you then move to the last of the kind of worded columns, not the numbers, the right-hand column, is the title. See, the, a title and a topic are slightly different things. Title is what you could sell people to. And so he brings being born again, he brings rebirth. Well, that's a way saying so he brings a fresh start. Um, uh, spirit without measure, God's truth, eternal life, the ultimate rescue package. You know, how do you say salvation in a sense of modern language? Uh, the light one's an interesting one because in John 3 he brings the light which exposes your evil deeds, which means why you prefer darkness to light, which is the judgment he brings upon you. Well, this is supposed to be a positive series, you know. He brings you life and happiness and light and joy, and, but it's actually judgment that is there. And so that doesn't quite fit in. The joy he brings is the joy of the bridegroom, and the best man, because John the Baptist in John 3 says that uh, uh, he's, the, he's the best man. Jesus has come and now his joy is full. And so, so you start preaching on John's gospel. God's love, John 3.16, of course. You start preaching on John 3. But it's illusory because you're not actually preaching John 3. You're not working your way through what John 3 is saying you're really preaching on Jesus brings as illustrated by John 3. Um, and I could do it, but I, I think it's, it's much... With Galatians and the fruit of the Spirit, you, you would be preaching what Galatians is saying about the fruit of the Spirit under the heading Jesus brings. With John 3, as you preach it, I'm not sure that you're preaching, I'd be preaching John 3. I think I'd be preaching Jesus brings, hanging on certain phrases and texts of John 3. I mean, he brings each of these kinds of things, but is that what John 3 really is about? I, I'm not sure it is. And so I'm, I'm not as comfortable. Now, uh, someone has written saying, you know, we've got a series on Luke's Gospel because we could give out a, um, Essential Jesus, and which is a good idea, good evangelistic strategy. And, and another man's listed out a series of 14 or so sermons he's going to do on Luke's Gospel where Jesus brings different things. And it's a, it's a clever series with good titles and all the rest of it. But it's not what Luke's Gospel's about. It, it's... I have my message, I'm going to attach it to Luke's Gospel. And now I can expound this little paragraph of Luke um, uh, accurately, you know, uh, in itself. But I still worry that I'm distorting that, even that little paragraph. Now, on the other hand, system theology of the Bible is consistent. And so it's not, you don't always have to preach Jesus by Luke alone. So that I'll preach about Luke, but I'll never preach about Jesus. That's a theological mistake. Calvin writes commentaries in every book of the Bible except Revelation, Esther, and each of the Gospels. On the Gospels, he, pre he writes a commentary on a synopsis of the Gospels. That is, he scissors and pastes the Gospels together to a life of Jesus. 
and you get this commentary on it, which is very irritating because you want to look him up on you know, John 3 and you find bits of it are here and bits of it are there and bits of it are somewhere else. Well, it wouldn't be John 3, but you know, any events of Luke. Um, it's also irritating because Mark's presentation of Luke of Jesus can be different to Luke's presentation of Jesus or Matthew's presentation of Jesus. By just shoving them all together, you lose that literary character. But he's theologically right, because in the end, what we want is not Luke, Mark, or John. What we want is Jesus. Jesus is a real historical person. Each of these writers brings perceptions on the real person. I'm going to tell you about the real person. And so, likewise, you can preach a theology uh, of Jesus brings um, rebirth and have a whole discussion on being born again and using all the illusions and all the uh, references to being born again across the whole Bible, hanging on the John 3 passage. Because rebirth is not just a John 3 idea, it's a 1 Peter 1 idea, it's an Ezekiel 36 idea. It's a, and to understand what Jesus meant, the best commentary on what Jesus meant is what the rest of the Bible says Jesus meant. So you can do it, it's just a lot more work. It's very hard to get it all right and get it in balance. And I still feel like I'm speaking on this because... Um, would you like me to pause? I don't think I can pause. Yes, I can. I've restarted now that Wendy's got her head back in gear. Um, we, we, uh, I, I still worry that I'm abusing John 3 in the process. Just, it's not I read John 3 and I thought, you know, Jesus brings all these things. It's, I'm looking for 10 sermons on Jesus brings. Ooh, here's a bit, here's a, I wonder if I can give another one. Here's, there's another one back over there and... And in the end, some of it, like Jesus brings the Spirit to the full, the early bit of, talks about the Spirit, and the end bit of the chapter talks about the Spirit, but I'm not sure they're saying exactly the same thing, and the argument may have moved on to the end of John 3. It might be just recycling the same bit, but it may not be. But because I've got it down here, I won't address the issue of what John 3 is really dealing with. So, having spent hours working on this whole series on John 3, I came back to this other sheet, which uh, has these two lists here. And so I thought to myself, okay, if you're going to do a topical series, be honest and do a topical series. So what is it that Jesus brings? Well, life to the full keeps on coming because that's the kind of John 10, 10, verse which stands as the background to the whole thing. He comes to bring life and bring it to the full. But then there are other things that Jesus brings. Purpose, meaning, and kind of the, the list on my left, I then kind of thought, well, what are they? Now, community, I thought, was a nonsense word. You know, I mean, nowhere in the Bible am I going to find Jesus brings community. It just, you know, and good things, well, that's a kind of vacuous title as well, doesn't it? But 
purpose, meaning? Yeah, yeah, that can be forgiveness, absolutely. Eternal life, that keeps on coming. Love, yes. Joy, hope, yes. Justice, that's not on the list that the uh, committee brought up because justice is a little bit negative, but that's because they're a bunch of middle-class, white Anglo-Saxon, North Shore kind of people. And it's on tape. Actually, most of them are south of the harbour. Um, but they'd like to live in the North Shore. You know, that kind of people. And, and therefore, they, they're not crying out for justice. Um, the Aborigine would like to know that Jesus brought justice. Uh, God, rebirth, truth, rest. These struck me as good things. I then came to think, well, do I want to preach one sermon on love and another on joy, another on hope? I could, but Jesus brings faith, hope, and love. Why not go for the triad, you see? That then got me. And originally I had Jesus brings purpose for life, Jesus brings meaning to life, but I thought, yeah, I could put purpose and meaning together. And justice and forgiveness, that's a, that's a combination that is critical, because that's really cross-country, and that's, that's what the Muslims have real difficulty with. The Muslims believe in uh, Allah brings justice and they believe that Allah brings mercy, but they can't work out how he can do both at the same time. And you, without the cross, you can't, but with the cross, justice and mercy meet. And so Jesus brings by. That, I could, that's got a lot going for. He brings rebirth, but he also brings eternal life. So he brings new life that goes on for eternity or something like that. Uh, then I'm still thinking fairly John's Gospel and he brings truth and grace. I don't think the truth is something we really need to hammer for our present community. They want truth, but the truth they want is their own truth. <laughs> it's a great nonsense. Grace, well, that's not everybody's word. That's a very religious -y word, isn't it? Uh, he brings knowledge and wisdom. It's not just information he brings, it's the wisdom of life. And then freedom is what people really want today. Well, Jesus brings the one true freedom, but his way of bringing freedom is through the redemption. Can I use the word redemption in a title? Well, there's Shawshank Redemption, but when you watch the Shawshank Redemption, there's not much redemption in Shawshank. Uh, but it's, uh, yeah, but never mind. Uh, unpleasant movie, I thought. Uh, and then... Uh, I only watched it because it had the word redemption in it. It's the only reason I watched the movie. You because, didn't like uh, the word redemption. Well, I was waiting for the redemption to happen. I wonder <laughs> how Hollywood deal with the redemption. And yeah. It didn't. So <laughs> your own works. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a redemption. It was a kind of escape. Mm. Uh, the same thing. Um, and then, uh, well, he brings uh, peace. And then I thought, yeah, well, he also brings rest. So you can put those together. And... Light, and what comes with light is life, or what comes with light is judgment. And so here's a series then on that uh, right-hand column of those doubles, which doesn't bring it down to for parents or... So, I mean, they wanted to preach on Jesus brings joy to marriage. Well, I think he brings joy to single as well. Yeah. He brings... <laughs> Why are only the married people allowed to be happy in Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> and if you were in a marriage that wasn't joyful, would you go to hear a sermon 
on how Jesus brings joy to your marriage. Especially if you're a Christian. Especially if you're a Christian in the last place, you actually want to stay away. I mean, that's be dreadful. It's not even gets too fine at that point, isn't it? Yeah. to what? You don't need the two part. No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think it's good sales. Mm. Um, I mean, they're trying to say it's practical, it's real, it happens in the here and now. Yeah. Eh, there's a point in that. And there's a point in that in, in the way in which Jesus lived. He brought healing to the sick here and now. But do I say he brings healing? Well, yes, all healing comes from him. But, I mean, it's the problem with our healing service, in a sense, isn't it? That am I going to promise people who come to church and put their hand up be prayed for that they will be healed? No, I can't make that promise. I shouldn't make that promise because that's not there. Though I should encourage people to pray for their healing and should let them know that Jesus is able to heal them. But... Whether he will, I don't know. Um, so, oh yeah. So that's where I'm up to at this stage. And I thought, well, I'll it might help you to hear me. It might help me to talk through how my thinking processes are dealing. It might help you to hear the amount of struggle you need to get the Bible right. And a lot of the struggle lies in the background basis upon which you are doing what you're doing. Topical sermons look very easy until you actually try and do them properly and then you discover they're very difficult. Uh, And the shift from uh, expounding what the Bible is saying to using the Bible for what you want to say to abusing the Bible is a, a real slippery slope, that one. Uh, and so imposing upon the Bible your um, your program is a real problem. That's why it's much easier preaching, saying we're going to preach on Galatians chapter 1 this week, chapter 2 next week. That's an easier way of preaching because you're much more likely then to say what the Bible is saying. Uh, you can still impose them in just the very chapters or impositions. Some chapters don't work as chapters. The divisions need to be different to that and so on. But... You're actually, your, your mind and aim and frame of reference is to say what this is saying. So you preach on Psalm, what did we do yesterday? 37. And your aim is to say, well, this is what Psalm 37 is saying. In the process of saying what Psalm 37 is saying, I might say all kinds of other things as well, but the thing that is driving what we're doing is we're discovering what Psalm 37 is saying. That's, that's the aim. That's a much easier way of preaching than this kind of topical series here that we're trying to do. That's why the Galatians 5 one is a simpler method than uh, picking on these topics. But I think these topics will work to some extent. However, at that point, 